Welcome to Wisdom from the Word of God, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Owen Butler, endeavoring to reconnect people with God. The Gospel according to John, chapter 4, starting at verse 9, you will find these words. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Saints of God, today I want to give a thought, amen. Our second elephant in the room, bad religion. Bad religion. On the outset of this series of lessons, amen, we dealt with the issue of racism in the church. Amen. You do know that Samaria and uh, Judea, amen, were once one family. Amen. Before the days of Rehoboam, the king, the son of Solomon, that it was a combined nation made up of 12 siblings and their tribes. Amen. It was the sons of Israel. But after uh, greed and, and, and arrogance got in and poisoned the nation, they split into two pieces. One being the northern kingdom, which has 10 tribes, and then the southern kingdom, which has two. In the southern, both Judah and Benjamin was there. But as the years would go along, amen, they would have infighting, amen, and that God through the prophet Isaiah would, would prophesy that the northern kingdom would be destroyed. And indeed, the northern king was the northern kingdom was destroyed in 722 B.C. They were destroyed by the Assyrian armies 
who had a strategy of not just coming in and deporting the people of Israel, but also importing, if you will, those from other pagan nations so that the national identity would be lost in a multiplicity of representatives of many nations. Then inbreeding comes in, marriage, intermarriage, and before you know it, amen, the true pure identity of the northern tribes, amen, were lost. But then that caused another set of issues, amen, because the southern kingdom, that treacherous Judah, looked at that harlot, the northern kingdom, and then treated the northern kingdom as less than themselves. And then out of that came this racism with inside of the family. Now they say you are a mixed breed and you are less than those of us here in the southern kingdom. So it causes a great divide, which now we see in our text is the reason why the woman said to Jesus, you being a Jew, talk to me, a Samaritan woman? Amen. Don't you know, amen, that Jews and Samaritans have no dealings? Uh, For whatever reason, mankind in the collectives seem to always try, at least one to another, tries to become more superior to the other. And Jesus being born out of Judah was mindful of the very fact that the word on the street was those Samaritans, they're not really those of the kingdom of God. But we see in our text that the fight that was going on here caused the Samaritans to say we are of the promise. We are of them. We may not be just like you down there, but we matter to God. I don't know about you today, but we live in a culture today that has a lot of classism and racism. Amen. We talked about how one one group tries to make themselves better than another. But one of the problems that come in through racism is oppression, which also causes a people's minds to start to believe that they're less than one another. And before you know it, what ends up happening is self-genocide. That we see in our neighborhoods, amen, that we kill one another because we don't esteem our own black lives as important as they are. Amen. We may not do it consciously knowing it, but subconsciously we do not esteem one enough one another with value amen that's a real problem in our communities amen as black people but God has come out of that group a group of people who know the Lord and know that it is not the skin color which gives us our value amen Amen. And that it is us that should go back into the hedges and the highways to, to, to give the word of hope to us and to encourage us to become unified and not be divided. But when we look at our text, amen, there were divisions and schisms in Samaria. They did have their problems, amen, as well. But Jesus had gone into Samaria, amen, to help the Samaritans see that they were on level playing ground. So the elephant in the room here is bad religion. And so let us deal with the text and try to see where this is coming from. Let's, let's look at the text. 
When we look at the text, we see in verse 9, of course, it's this whole issue of racism and separation, Jews having no dealings with Samaritans. But Jesus does not go into that. Amen. He goes another way. And I love that about our master because most of the time he does not deal with our situations the way that we approach them. Amen. He usually goes another way. Look at the text, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Our first point is social issues can be binding. The woman was bound by the social issue of racism between the Samaritans and the Jews. There there was a blinder on for her to be able to see anything that Jesus was portraying to her because she was focused on his Jewishness and not his messiahship. But the master, he doesn't waste no time with the things that don't really matter. He gets to the crux of the master and says, your issue is not social, your issue is spiritual. Jesus says that your social issues are temporal, amen, but your spiritual issue is eternal. We have to be careful, saints of God, amen, how we try to, to, to deal with the, the struggle and the strain of living in this world. Before we know it, we can get caught up in this or that, these menial issues, amen, between one's, one's socioeconomic status, one's color, amen, just one's voice and how one speaks and one's perspective. Before we know it, we are dividing ourselves over things that won't get out of the fire. We are dividing ourselves over because you do know that that when we get to heaven, there ain't going to be blacks and whites. There ain't going to be Korean and Japanese and Chinese. Amen. We are going to all be one like angels in the sight of God. Amen. So we might as well get it right down here. We might as well stop getting caught up in these things that don't really matter. We waste a lot of time and we get a lot of emotional wrap up over stuff that don't really matter. And that ends up with bad religion. That ends up with religion that's Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus your socioeconomic status. Jesus plus your educational level. Jesus plus your age. Jesus plus your place in life. Jesus plus your geographic location. Jesus plus your ethnicity. That's bad religion. Because our religion should be based on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We dare not trust in the strongest frame, but holy in Jesus' name. So we've got to get these things out of the way. Jesus doesn't even spend any time with that. Amen. Jesus goes right to the crux of the matter. You need a spiritual, eternal salvation. But in this bad religion we we've got another issue that we need to deal with the elephant in the middle of the room verses 11 and 12 hanging on to genealogy and tradition will not set you free 
Let me say that again. Hanging on to genealogy and tradition will not set you free. Let's look at these verses, 11 and 12. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? It's almost that she says this sarcastically. She's looking at Jesus and she's saying, look at this Jew. This Jew is coming over here to Samaria. We ain't bothering him. I was not going over there. He's come over here now. And now he's talking about giving some living water. Oh, so now he's got the market on water. But I got something to tell him. Uh, first of all, you don't have a dipper. And you don't have a bucket to go down and get it. So what are you talking about? That well sure is deep. Is you going to reach down there with your hand and pull it up? You who think you better than everybody else, you Jew. Now, now you got to get the attitude in the text too because there is attitude. Anytime there is this kind of division, there's attitude. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so she's like, hmm, okay. So where are you going to get this living water? Then she says, okay, so now you, you big and bad, Mr. Big Judah, and come over here. I guess you're going to make everything better because it's going to go the Jewish way. Amen. So she says to him, she said, are you greater than our father Jacob? So now she says, now let me, let me get you straight here. Uh, uh, we are the original Israelites. Uh, are y'all listening here? Uh, uh, let, me, let me get you straight because... Let me, let me tell you about the fact that we are tied to Jacob. Amen. Uh, you know Jacob, the father of Israel. You know the 12 sons, amen, who became the 12 tribes of Israel. You know the one who was part of the covenant of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm talking about our father. Uh huh. But before you come over here with all this holier than thou stuff, let me get you straight that we have the genealogy that goes back to the promise. Uh, we, we live in, in, in our world today to where, where even right now, amen, there are divisions and, and there are groups of, of, of African Americans, amen, who are fighting for their genealogy, amen, that they want to be tied back to be the lost tribes of Israel. And they're doing that because they're, they're wanting to feel significant in a world to where a white supremacist world has tried to show us a Jesus that is blue-eyed, blonde-haired, and fair. Well, we, 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 we look at that and we start to be enlightened to say, is this some kind of trick to try to get us to believe that that's our Jesus? So then, because he looks like them and he's superior, then they'll be superior too. We reject that and we say that Jesus, that is not our Jesus and that we are not just separated and set apart, but we are the original lost tribe of Israel. It's the same thing trying to get genealogy and tradition to set us free. But Jesus is not dealing with this because he realizes that that will not set us free. There are going to be those who are part of the biological descendancy true of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that are going to hell. 
Why do I say that? Well, I see it in, the, in Romans chapter 9 that, that, that Paul says all that are Israel are not Israel. What he was saying in that text, if you read it, that he was saying that there are some that are part of the biological descendancy, but are not part of the faith. Because they reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, amen, they reject the salvation that can only come by him. It is the salvation where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. But there was a portion of Israel that said, I reject that. There is another way, and it does not happen to come by you. So therefore, Paul says, all who are Israel are not Israel. So genealogies and traditions will not set you free. Jesus was trying to get to the crux of the matter. Amen. While the woman was looking at his Jewish heritage, amen, he was trying to bring her to the next level so that she would be able to see that it wasn't about Jewish heritage. It was about the kingdom of God. It wasn't about the current realm, but that another realm, amen, that he was the king of. Looking at our text, this elephant that's in the middle of the room, bad religion, now you see that bad religion can come out of oppression and racism. That, that, that the very fact that they're fighting for equal footing in a society that's not designed to give them equal footing. There's not designed with this Jewish Samaritan society to get equal footing. And Jesus has come on the scene to level the playing field. Amen. By bringing forth the kingdom of God and not the kingdom kingdom of the world. Looking at our text, we see, amen, we've got another issue coming up in our text. In verses 13 through 15, eternal needs cannot be fulfilled by temporal means. Eternal needs cannot be fulfilled by temporal means. Look at the text. Verses 13 through 15. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Jesus is trying to correct her mindset to get her perspective and her focus off of the things of the world and the society that has, been, has caused her to be marginalized and dejected, amen, and trying to bring her up transcend her mind up out of the world and into the kingdom of God. He said, this water is not the water I'm talking about. This water, when you drink it, you will thirst again. Every water, every, every substance, every resource that we can get out of this world, amen, whether it's water, food, or political uh, uh, positioning, amen, if whether it's, it's, it's being connected to those who have great money and resource, whether it's classism or sexism, whether no matter what avenue we go in this world, you will thirst again. It doesn't matter how rich you become, amen, there will always be that God-shaped void in your heart if you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior. So we find in the text that Jesus is not even playing with this whole issue of worldly things. Jesus is not answering her. He's not staying in that zone. He is shunting that conversation and getting to what really makes the difference. Y'all see that in the text because he says, 
Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus says the water that I have is not a water that comes from an external source. Amen. But this source will now be in you and that it will be a perpetual production of water that you never thirst again. When, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, amen, the Lord sends forth the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to rest, rule, and abide in you. He feeds you. He, he teaches you. He strengthens you. He encourages you. Amen. And he seals your position in the family of God. It is this Holy Spirit that Paul talks about, amen, in the 8th chapter of Romans. He said, if you have not his spirit, then you are not his. It is this same spirit in Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 1 that says, amen, you are sealed until the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Amen. He is the spirit of promise, a promise that he won't break. Amen. That you will enter into the kingdom of God. You will enter into the heavenly places if you have his spirit because his spirit will never leave you nor forsake you. He will seal you. Amen. It's not predicated on on your actions except your action of having faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing to do with geographic location. It has nothing to do with genealogy. It has nothing to do with tradition. It has nothing to do with socioeconomic level. It has nothing to do with political party. It has nothing to do with nation. It has nothing to do with class or creed. It has everything to do is who do you believe in? Do you believe in Jesus Christ or do you believe in something else? So the text puts us here in a position, amen, to see that Jesus is shunting all of this nonsense. He's shunting the temporal things that will not fulfill eternal destination. So in the text, he says, he says, the woman said unto him, sir, give me this water that I might not thirst nor come here to draw. So we see a transition, a transition in the mind of the Samaritan woman. In the midst of the elephant that is in the room in Samaritan, the, the issue of Sumerian racism and also bad religion trying to put themselves back on equal footing when they were equal footing from the very get-go. It was the Jewish supremacy that tried to convince the Samaritans that they were less uh, than a man, less than a woman. They were lower than anyone could be in order for the Lord to be about them because after all, the Lord favored the Jews. So we have a story here where Jesus Christ says, I must needs go in to Samaria. Jesus Christ knew that he needed to go because he needed to fix some things. He needed to straighten out some things for people that were going to be his own. That needed to get down the roadblocks that were causing them not to be in the place to receive the Messiah. 
to be in the roadblocks of racism because the Messiah was coming down through the through the tribe of Judah, then that it couldn't be that their Messiah would be Jewish. After all, the Jewish one is the oppressor. But at the time, Jesus was letting them know that it was not about color. It was not about race. It was not about creed. It was about salvation of the Lord, that God was the invisible God. Amen. He was the invisible God, and no man had seen God at any time. In the same text as I come to a close, after the woman appears to start to move in the right direction, she is moving in the right direction, but as the, the, the prophet, amen, Jesus Christ, the master, begins to tell her about her life, amen. which gets into the third elephant in the room. But when he talks to her about her life, she begins to say, well, he's told me all things about myself, so now I perceive that you are a prophet. And so then when that begins to happen, she shuts that conversation about relationships, the third elephant in the room, and she goes back to tradition. She goes back to genealogy. She goes back to geography. She says, well, since you are a prophet, now that I perceive that, said, where are we really supposed to be worshiping? She said, we worship on Mount Gerizim, uh, but the Jews say we ought to worship in Jerusalem. But we stand according to the Pentateuch, and nowhere in the Pentateuch does it say anything about worshiping in Jerusalem. Now what she leaves out in that text, amen, is that it didn't say anything about worshiping the Gerizim either. But they do it anyway because they feel like they're not wanted by the Jews so they create their own place of worship, amen, in their own way, amen, because of the division between the families. And so today I, I want us to realize that, that we ought to be real careful, amen, as we go through the days of our lives. That situations do come up, amen, and oppression is in the kingdom of this world. And that you can get caught up, amen, in some temporal things that do not have everlasting value. One of the things that is the problem with our people moving over to becoming the lost tribe of Israel is they go back to living the law. They say that we are saved by the law, but the word of God makes very clear that we are not saved by the law. The law is nothing but a schoolmaster. It can tell us where to go, but it does not have the power to save us. And that our salvation should not be based on our tribe. Jesus said that it's going to be different one day. Jesus said one day in her life that it's going to be different, that no longer is it going to be a thing of the Jews and no longer is it going to be a thing of the Gentiles. No longer is it going to be a thing of the Samaritans. No longer is it going to be a thing of anybody else. But he says, they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth. That the walls of separation shall be torn down. You don't have to be white. You don't have to be black, Korean, or Japanese. You don't have to be Turkish. You don't have to be Grecian. But you have to believe in the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one that will level the playing field. He will make sure that you get everything that you need. And he is no respecter of persons. He got on the Jews about this. Amen. He let them know that they put on weight on folks' shoulders that they could not bear. 
and he said that this was wrong and that it would be better for Tyre and Sidon than it will be for them in that day because they have mistreated his people. They have put burdens on them that they should not have to bear. And so this text lets us know that we have value, amen, no matter what color race we are no matter where we are socioeconomically amen we have value in Jesus and if we have value in Jesus we are a royal priesthood amen we are a holy nation and we are to walk circumspectly we are to walk according to our royalty so today saints of God amen we are the ones who have the keys to the kingdom once again, in the second elephant of the room, bad religion, we must contend for the faith that has been given to us by Jesus Christ. To continue to teach and to continue to admonish and encourage our people to walk in the newness of life through Jesus Christ. Do not let us relegate that down to some socioeconomic level, some ethnicity, but that has nothing to do with it because we serve an invisible God. We must be those who are, 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 are protagonists, if you will, to the things of the kingdom of God and antagonists of the things in the world. Amen. Because the world is not designed to save you. The world is designed to kill you. Amen. So saints of God, be steadfast. Amen. Do not be moved. Amen. Stay strong in the Lord and be those who teach of the good news that God has fixed everything at the cross. That this same Jesus, amen, whom some say that he has, has hair that is like lamb's wool, amen. But the text really says, when you look in the first and second chapter of Revelation, it doesn't say the quality of his hair, it says the color of his hair. It says his hair was the color white as lamb's wool, amen, and it shone bright, amen. So. On either side of this case, let's not get too much to either one or the other. Amen. Matter of fact, let's not try to make Jesus anybody. Amen. We ought to tear all that stuff down in the first place. Amen. And let Jesus be God. A God that has no color. Amen. Has no race. Amen. Has no creed. But he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So saints of God, I encourage us to, to stay on the battlefield for bringing together people on every hand, amen, in the newness of Jesus Christ, amen. And it starts first in our own neighborhood. It starts with the affinity that we have with one another to try to lift our brothers and sisters up and to stop some of this heinous crime that's going on in our community by us touching one, each one reach one. And we can make a difference. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we bless your name once again, Master. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you hide this word in our hearts, that we sin not against thee. Lord, help us to be the, the kind of believer that understands that temporal things do not make eternal life. And that, Master, we need that we set forth the gospel that we make it clear and uncompromising, that we make it an inclusive and not an exclusive gospel. That it's an inclusive gospel that the whosoever will may come. 
Lord, help us to be those in our own affinity group of black people, of African Americans, that we encourage our people to realize that we don't need another tradition or another genealogy in order to be precious in the sight of God. All we need to do is cry out to the master and say, Lord, save me. Lord, rearrange me. Lord, come into my heart and do in me which I cannot do in myself. That's what we need because Jesus didn't die for just a few folk. He died for the sins of the world. And Lord, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. The doors of church are open. There may be somebody here today, amen. Never take it for granted, amen, that everybody is saved. But we want to make sure that if you do not know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the pardoning of your sin, that you can get to know him today. Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. It's just that simple. For God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so today, the doors of the church are open for those who, 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 who come by letter, who come by Christian experience, and others who come by baptism. Jesus' arms are open wide, amen. And you can come if you want to join the church as well, amen. The master is, is in love with his people, amen. He loved us so much that he died for us. There's no greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And the Lord says, I call you friends. Come unto Jesus. listening family. I want to once again thank you for listening to this podcast. 
And if you would be so kind, on whatever platform you listen to wisdom from the Word of God, I ask that you give it a review. And when you give it a review, also give some specifics as it relates to why you enjoy this podcast. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, whether it's Stitcher Radio or iHeartRadio, whether it's Spotify or Anchor FM, whether it's Player FM, whether it's Castbox or Breaker, or any of the many platforms where you can hear this podcast. It would help us so much so that more can discover this podcast through seeing your comments and reviews and ratings, and hopefully this will give us more visibility and more distribution to reach more with the message of Jesus Christ. And once again, I am so thankful that you have taken out the time to listen to this podcast. And for your continued support, I will be forever grateful. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer.